We are joined this week by newly signed to AJ Foyt Racing driver Santino Ferrucci. Sir, how are you? How's the offseason been so far? Man, it's going. Uh, traveling more than I expected for offseason, but it's yeah. nice. I only have a three-hour commute into work. Um, but yeah, I go to Indy this week, so a little bit further. One, are, are you then going to be the Foyt car that's based out of Texas just because of that's where you're based when you're not on the road for racing? And two, are you testing up here? Um, I will be the four car based in Texas, not okay. only because I'm in Texas, but it's also the lead car. Okay. So it just all makes sense. And then, um, I am going up to set my steering wheel and meet the other half of the team. Nice. Other three fourths. How's that? <laughs> nice. Frenchie, go ahead. Uh, so I saw you've been getting up to some cool stuff, like went to the Barrett Jackson auction a few weeks ago did you uh did you happen to take anything home with you or something like that or you just went as a guest all right i was i was the guest and they gave me uh the keys to a ford gt and the owner basically said turn everything off and go nuts in the parking lot for 15 (laughs) minutes so yeah so i went absolutely nuts in the parking lot of the houston expo center (laughs) so it was great Good what time. was that like? I mean, triple digits for sure. I mean, in a tiny little parking lot, I will tell you one thing. Ford has built an exceptional road car race car. It definitely, uh, it's definitely something special. So that's, that's for sure. What is your, this is totally not what I was going to ask, but what is your, your daily driver or car that, that you enjoy driving the most that you own? Um, well, I have one car at the moment, which is an X3 and, uh, yeah, (laughs) I'm going up to the shop to pick up the uh, Chevy loaner, which is a 1500. So it'll be nice to have a truck again. I really can't wait for that, but, uh, yeah, no, I just have a base X3 for my two dogs, put them in the back. It's a total dad car, man. I have it lowered with nice wheels, but that's about it. You have, you have two big dogs, right? So you need that, you need that space. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, I mean, the X3 is, it even isn't enough space, but you know, it, it works. It's convenient for Dallas. Um, it's reliable. It feels like a very large SUV go-kart with like 50 horsepower, but it works. Now, are you driving from Texas up to Indy? Uh, no, I'll fly. Okay. So okay. I'll fly up there. I'll pick up the Chevy loaner and then I've got a little bit of a road trip on my hands. Got it. Got it. All right. So, you know, kind of, taking a step back a couple, I don't know, a week ago, a couple weeks ago, a month ago, whenever the announcement came out that you were driving for Foyt next year, how long did the kind of negotiation process take? Like, was this something that started during the season, you know, when you were at the track a handful of times, did, was this kind of, you know, the off season comes about and, you know, comes together quicker, you know, how to how, take us through that, that negotiation process. Well, negotiations were done in about a week. Um, okay. I've been talking to Larry. Uh, actually, I started talking to Larry in the end of the 2020 season. And, um, or no, end of 2021 season. My bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, right after I did all that stuff with Ray Hall, um, and they kind of had their plans set for next for the this past season, and then. Um, you know, they were starting to struggle a little bit. So we stayed in contact. I drove down to see him. 
just the hardest thing to really put the deal together is because I, you know, I'm bringing myself and my tools because um, I don't have the sponsorships that I once used to pre-COVID. So, you know, they just had to kind of step up a little bit. And, you know, it was helpful with Benjamin. Uh, ABC is going to be a part of our team, I believe, next year and a couple of other partners that wanted to step up and put me in the car and especially Larry and AJ. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's probably the coolest, one of the cooler opportunities and experiences in my life. So I'm just very, very, very thankful I got a, a full-time ride this year. Have you gotten to talk to AJ much yet, at least since you signed or not so much? Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, it's all right. That's the perks of being in Texas is that I, I've seen AJ quite a few times. Okay. And um, yeah, no, it's been great. He loves talking about the stories of the good old days and his racing. And, you know, it's what, what he grew up doing and how his era of racing is just so not comparable to what we do today. I mean, it's just your different type of person um, back then than uh, now. So a lot of respect and the stories, man, are endless. Before I turn it over to Frenchie, is he still fending off killer bees or anything ridiculous <laughs> on his farm? So to give you an idea of how old school this man is, um, yeah, at a certain age in your 80s, you tend to go deaf. So you talk loudly around him. Apparently he tried hearing aids and I'm getting this from a third person. They lasted about three days before he took them out and smashed them. <laughs> that is about the best way I can describe AJ. <laughs> As an old school doesn't care. That is Just so easy to picture too. Yep. Yeah, I know. I think he, I'm super excited to be driving for him. I think he feels the same way. So a uh, little bit of old school mentality, go out, you know, drive the shit out of it and have fun. So kind of going off what you said a minute ago about not bringing any sponsorship, I, I guess that could go one of two ways, right? And I wanted to see how you feel about it. Does that put extra pressure on you to kind of be like, well, I'm in this hired situation and I really got to prove myself? Or does it show this team has a ton of confidence in me? And I'm really happy that, you know, they showed that by kind of taking me on without me having to bring anything other than myself. Um more option two. The last two years I've been in IndyCar in 21 and 22, it's been on merit. That's okay. why everything's been part-time. Like the whole yeah. Ray Hall deal, I mean, they approached me, wanted me to drive in the 500. We did well enough to wear another race, another race, you know, and it continued on and the sponsor was really happy. Um, same thing with Dreyer. Um, I actually almost went with Dreyer in 21 to do the 500 for them, but I hadn't, you know, had to take the opportunity with Ray Hall because of what it could have turned into. Um, but I ended up driving for dryer again the following year and dude, I had a blast. Um, but yeah, but all of that I've been hired, you know, since all that's happened. And, uh, so yeah, it's not a new situation for me. It's new to be full-time and hired, but, um, no, it just kind of shows you how hard Larry is actually truly working to turn the program around from what it is to, uh, something great, which I think to be honest with you, it doesn't need much. I think, you know, some good organization, some good leadership and some consistency on the racetrack and we're good. So on that note, you know, it's been a couple of years since you were full-time. You had that, what was that? Five races with Ray Hall a couple of years ago, but is there a, a track that outside of, outside of the Indy 500 that you're most looking forward to returning to? 
Well, I was really looking forward to returning to Belle Isle. <laughs> True. It doesn't exist anymore. So I'm going to have to go, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to St. Pete. Um, I, I love Iowa. I can't wait for Iowa. Uh, Gateway as well. Basically the ovals. I think Texas will be a really big race for me just because of the team, my friends and family and stuff like that. So um, there are, you know, there are some tracks that I, you know, I could care less for on the schedule. Um, and there are some tracks that I'm really looking forward to seeing hundred percent, but that's like that for everybody. Sure. Have you had any, I guess, relationship with Benjamin Peterson in the past, or is this kind of new, like you just met him and or, you know, what's, what do you think it's going to be like being his teammate? Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I met him once in Indy and he seems like a really nice guy. Um, I've had one email train, which was kind of funny. Uh, talking about the loaner vehicles and what we actually daily drive because apparently he got into a car wreck that day and I said don't feel bad it happened to me in Indy um, this year okay. and um, yeah I know tell me about it and uh, yeah no so I will probably see him at the shop tomorrow morning um, you know just get to know him a little bit better uh, he, he's uh, seems like like I said nice kid he seems like he can definitely drive and wheel it I'm just hoping that we have similar styles and techniques so we can flow the team one direction. You're, you're joining a Foyt team that's kind of not had too many great moments the last few years. What can you as a driver, you know, bring to this team and, and kind of part two of that, what's a realistic goal for 2023 you know, is it battle for top fives? Is it battle for top tens? You know, where do you see yourself kind of mixing into the, into the order and in, in the seat once the season starts? Yeah. I think one of the biggest things that I can, it's a tough one, bring, bringing things to the team, you know, it's personnel, um, trying to get behind some of the people that are already there, trying to navigate some of the people that we've lost throughout the winter and putting in new people in place. Um, you know, I'm doing my best to help Larry with my contacts and hiring the correct people for the job from what I've seen. Um, yeah, it's just about leadership, bringing in that leadership role. And then for, for goals, I think Larry and I both know that, you know, considering a considerable amount of, of the program has actually changed, um, with us working on it. And I think realistically, if we come out of the gate fighting for top tens, we'd feel really good about it. Um, and then if we can keep that consistency up, aiming for top fives and eventually top threes and a win towards the end of the season would be uh, truly ideal. So it's, it's more of let's see what we get when we start and then set our goals following with not having too many expectations in mind. So when I listen to sports radio and everybody's like, Oh, be consistent. And you'll, you'll do well in, in any sport. Like, yeah, obviously it sounds easy, but what makes it more difficult in racing or IndyCar to just be consistent week after week? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is we had a really, you know, the two and three seasons that I did almost consecutive with 21 and, you know, because I ran quite a few races. Yeah. You know, you can very easily see that there is a turning point for me in my rookie season to where I had a couple of really good races. And then in 20, in the COVID year, the consistency really showed up, but we just had a couple of issues with cars, with pit stops, with, you know, things that were out of my control sometimes and some things that were out of the team's control. Um, 
And then when we got to Ray Hall and we were able to put it all together, we were top 10, top 10, top 10, top 10, top 10. Yeah. So it's just gaining that consistency, but also joining the Ray Hall team, you know, having a third car wasn't necessarily a new program for them. So revamping a program here, the greatest thing that can happen to us and what we're doing is we're going to stick with two cars. So we're fully dedicated to two cars the whole season. So we should be able to build the consistency pretty quick through the winter. And then it'll just be up to me to finish races, listen to team calls, make the correct decisions on track. And just if I'm consistent, I feel like we can definitely be consistent as a team. So I've got, I think, a two-part question. The first is, from the outside, you just seem like somebody who gets in the car and, like you said, drives the wheels off it. But I wanted to ask, like, obviously not being on the inside of the team and, like, your debriefs and everything, how technical of a driver are you? Or is it more just, like, kind of natural feel of it? Like, how much technical knowledge do you feel like you're bringing with you to Foyt to help them maybe do what you said, like, get move forward a little bit? I mean, I have... I, when I started IndyCar, making major changes was a new thing to me. Um, I've built up such a book now, also learning off of Seb that I've, you know, I basically know what I can do mechanically with the car per track. And I'll understand what works and what doesn't already. Thanks. Thanks to my rookie year with Seb. So I can just bring a great deal of knowledge of what not to chase. So I can be very, Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. You know, mechanical with it, I can, you know, tell you exactly what I want or where I want, or I can work with the engineer and tell him exactly what I'm feeling and let him do his job. 
So it just kind of depends on what kind of engineer we're going to have, what kind of team we want to build. And, you know, there's definitely a downside to being too technical. Um, but there, there's definitely a positive to know what not to go after, if that makes sense. Yeah, so it does. Just, yeah, it'll just be all about staying on a track, not veering too far from it and not chasing anything down the rabbit hole. And, you know, I kind of have learned now how and what not to chase which has been very helpful. But the second part kind of relates to that is, did you learn that from kind of being in so many different teams over that short period of time of like, these are what the different setups are like and what different teams do, like bringing that with you, kind of what you said, you were just at Ray Hall, who's obviously, I mean, we thought they were going to be one of the top three last season. Unfortunately, they were not really there, but um, I mean, they looked better towards the end of the season, but does that kind of help you? You had mentioned Seb a few times too. So obviously you have a lot of knowledge of how different teams work. Yeah, no, I mean, having driven for Coin, Ray Hall, uh, Dryer doesn't really count because it's the 500 and they're very run completely different for me. So it's the knowledge that I learned there, you know, we didn't really change much throughout the month of May, which is shocking to me. Um, but even driving for Junkos and stuff like that. And, you know, I kind of, like I said, a lot of the mechanical setups in the teams don't differ very far. They, they sometimes do change on ovals quite a bit or to street courses but there's always a window and it's just really kind of dependent also on the tire compound that you're going to get from firestone that weekend and how much it differs from last year so you just kind of have to understand which direction to go after it um but every team has their own thing with dampers and unfortunately i'm not a damper expert but i do know how to tune them so uh it'll be it, it, it's a little bit easier just to focus on the mechanics of it. And like I said, most teams are, you, you can tell when someone's out to lunch mechanically because a lot of the teams that are really competitive are very, very similar setup wise mechanically, in my opinion. I'm going to go back and piggyback off, off of one of Frenchie's earlier questions, talking about your, your new teammate as a rookie. If, if you're going to go in and, and you know tell him one or two things that are most important to work on before his first race what should he work on before his first race well i'd say the first and foremost thing is to you know you got to be there at the end you have to finish these races you can't um it's not lights where you know you're going for one stint and you can pull off some you know if you look at my rookie year we crashed once and it was at the last race and it was a mistake right because i didn't set the brake balance backwards and i just locked up the front it was yeah. nothing more than I didn't break too late. I didn't, you know, I just forgot the brake balance. It happens. Um, but uh, it, the more races you finish, the faster you can progress. So for me, I'd tell him, hey, look, first finish. And then the second thing is I would, you know, tell him he's got to understand what he wants out of the car. And he has to understand how to, how to change the car. Now, that was my biggest thing coming in is I knew what I wanted. I just didn't know how to change it. And that was a big thing that helped me with Seb because – you know, Seb was like, you can't go that direction because this is what happens. And as much as I went down that direction and exactly what happened from Seb's mouth happened, you know, then you learn. <laughs> so, yeah, um, as long as he doesn't get too carried away trying to chase one thing and he finishes races, he'll be fine at the end of the year. 100%. I, I mean, I expect him to be competitive with me. So um, we'll see mentioning good old Seb a few times have you connected with him about what it's like to be at Foyt like just kind of hear his experiences about what he had to do like when he's there nope 
Okay. Nope. All good. I'm going to keep my happy memories of Seb at Coin and not ask him about his experience there. Um, because I also know he's very much enjoying his sports car life. Yeah. So I will see him in St. Pete in a couple of off races this year. And, you know, it's always good to catch up with him. But, uh, yeah, no, he, <laughs> we're very, very different drivers as far as what we want out of the car. So he would just be able to tell me for tidbits of where to look, I would say. And I can ask him that in person. You're in, in the last couple of years, you've, you know, done some, some IndyCar, obviously a bunch of different teams. You even did some Xfinity. What did the last couple of years kind of teach you about, you know, motorsports in general and kind of, you know, staying, you know, staying confident when, when the opportunities maybe aren't falling your way? Yeah. You know, I think mentally, um, you know, I'm still very lucky to be doing what I'm doing. So I just kind of always thought about every opportunity, you know, I just have to make the absolute most of it. So every time I got behind the wheel from 21 onwards, I just drove almost as hard as I could. Um, and anything, unfortunately, I wrecked a couple of cars in the, in the time of doing that, um, pushing the limits, especially in the Ray Hall car and stuff like that. But, you know, we proved a point that, you know, I was able to step it up and be extremely competitive and fast. Um, driving the stock car was, I'm not going to lie. I had so much fun with that, especially on the mile and a half tracks. I mean, just to be behind the wheel, something different. Honestly, I think driving for Sam um, in Toyota was was a big uh, game changer for me because they took me in like family and they absolutely did not have to do that. Um, so it was really cool. It was a really cool experience. And it was really unique just to go out and not have any practice and just go race. Yeah. Like as a, as a driver, like that that would be, I would love to do that every weekend. I'd love to just show up have a 20 minute practice, a 10, you know, a 10 minute qualifier and go race. Like that's the ideal scenario for someone like me. So, cause I love the idea of, you know, drive what you brought or <laughs> what yeah. you brung, however, however people want to say it. <laughs> but um, yeah, even running the chili bowl, man. I mean, it's just the reaction time that you need to have on those cars just it's the one thing I like to do in the winter now because it just keeps you so sharp. I mean, you're tack sharp after you run that race. You, just things happen so fast. The cars go so quick. You have to pay attention to so much little detail, you know, as much as it is dirt racing, that getting back in the Indy car, it feels like, whoa, all right, I can actually breathe down the straight here and take a minute to chill and process. So it's just cool to have different mindsets. Frenchie, I have two for Santino real quick. One, are you going to run the chili bowl again? Yep. And two, sticking on the stock car question. I'm sure you've seen Ross Chastain's move from <laughs> Sunday. What are, as a driver, I I've seen kind of like NASCAR drivers have been kind of like, eh, don't love it. And other drivers of other disciplines have been like, Oh my God, that's wild. I love it. So where do you stand? I mean, you got to see both sides of the coin to that one, don't yeah. you? I mean, you're talking about a man that, I mean, I've met, I've met Ross once. He's a really nice guy. Um, he's shown that he's obviously willing to do anything to win. So hats off to him there. Cause 
I don't think of too many people down the grid that would have actually ever done that move <laughs> in the position they were in. Yeah. Two, it's hilarious for the sport, uh, just because it's going to make news everywhere. It's very, you know, pl any publicity is going to be good publicity to bring attention to our racing. So that's fine. Now on the danger aspect of it and being a racer, it's not really the correct way to, to go about it. Um, I am sure that something is going to be done about it for next year in the rules to where that was, that will forever be a one and done. He will hold, hold the track record at Martinsville for God knows how long. Um, but yeah, no stuff like that will always have a little bit of repercussion. Um, I mean, it's going to make people love you or hate you. I mean, shit, I love them for doing it. <laughs> I love it for the sport. So, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird one. Yeah. My, my biggest thing was, you know, with this new car and all the concussion issues, you know, we saw Tyler Reddick kind of drop out of the race partway, which they haven't said it's concussion, but he said afterwards it was from an impact earlier in the race was, you know, the safety. Like if he hits the wall, not at the right angle, does he send his car kind of across the track or something? That's just kind of what, like what I keep going back to is a, like, yeah, he got, he got really lucky, but it could have been real, real bad pretty easily in that car. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. I mean, from the little bit of NASCAR they've done and the time that I spent, I've been around that garage for a long time. That car that they were in pre that next gen car is the technology in that thing is they've been developing that car for 20 plus years. Okay. I mean, yeah. that's why it's as safe as it is, as it is. That's why it's such a good platform. The issue is you have that disparity. So what NASCAR's model of trying to bring it closer together, yes, they've succeeded in doing that, but yeah, there's definitely some issues and they are working incredibly fast to address those issues. So did they put out the car too soon? I don't know. Yeah. Um, are they doing, are they going in the right direction? Without a doubt. Same with our series uh, with safety. I mean, if we get a new car, uh, which, you know, I'd hope that we get a new car and we can shed a hundred pounds off of yeah. the current one. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some safety issues. There's a reason our car is as heavy as it is. I mean, look at all the drivers that got injured. I mean, our car has been around for 20 years or sorry, 10 years. It's a, it was a 2012, you know, how many people crashed at Indy got hurt. Something went through all the intrusion panels on our car, just add weight, add weight, add weight. So it's just one of those things that just, it'll take time when you get something new to develop and to you know, you, unfortunately, bad stuff can happen in the meantime. I mean, you're going to have close calls and all that for sure. But, you know, it's safety and technology. You know, it, it takes time to build. I wanted to ask, um, kind of relate on this NASCAR idea. Mm -hmm. Roger Penske has been saying he wants to see more ovals added back into IndyCar. I wanted to see out of the ones that you drove when you were doing this Xfinity stuff like Homestead, I guess you did Phoenix, Atlanta, that kind of stuff. Could any of those work for IndyCar? What do you think about going to some of those oh, tracks in an IndyCar? 100%, 100%. I would love to see them drop some of our boring races that we sit in a line. Um, I'm not going to name names for tracks, but <laughs> we know we, yeah, we need to, um, there's a couple of things I'd like to try with the car. We'll see what happens in the driver's meeting, but we need to go back to Pocono. We have no race in the Northeast. 
Richmond would have been sweet. We still think we should go to Richmond. I'm a Virginia guy, so yeah, I, I'm with you there. Uh, Phoenix is a fantastic track. Homestead, amazing. You know, Milwaukee, I mean, why not? It's just like a couple of those tracks that we need to go back to. Um, Vegas, I think, would be a bit much because um, it feels a little bit more wild than Texas in that respect. Um, but yeah, no, there's definitely no reason as to why we can't add three or four more ovals with the expense of maybe one or two street courses or road courses for that. I mean, more so road courses than anything else. That's why I was kind of bummed to lose Belle Isle because it was just such a great racetrack. I mean, you had passing, strategy, tire degradation. I mean, you had it all. So I'm really hopeful for the track. The track definitely needed to be moved in the city. I'm just hopeful that we get the same outcome. So so on that Detroit note, this I'll, I'll wrap it up with one more here. Frenchie, if you've got yeah. one more. Um, you've got a, a split pit lane coming to the new okay. Detroit track. This is going to be my question I ask every driver this offseason. <laughs> What do you think? It, it looks cool. It's never been done before. Is is there any uh, any downside that we're not thinking of other than potentially making a wrong turn? I've got no idea. <laughs> um, dude, <laughs> I'm all for the ingenuity in something new. We also have to remember that we're in the entertainment business at the end of the day. So anything that can add entertainment value to our sport, let's give it a go. I like it. I guess I wanted to ask uh, if there's been any perks you've had so far of just being connected with the Foyt team, Foyt name. Like I know they had a winery. He's got probably a bunch of cars in a vault somewhere. Like what's the coolest thing you've been able to do so far, if anything? Well, I was trying to steal the, uh, the Cobra. That, <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> They were out cleaning it in Houston and I was asking them to put it on the ground so I can go take it for a test drive. But uh, I don't know. I'll get there one day. The wine, I'm not so much. The I'd love to go to Fredericksburg and hang out in the wine country of Texas. But I already told Larry, I said, we're going to convince your dad to take the Ford GT or the C8 Corvette up to uh, Texas Motor Speedway. I said, I got a single car trailer, man. I'll come down, pick it up, and we'll just drive it back and forth to the track and rip some laps around. So that or we got to get Chevy to give us a Z06. Yeah, the new Z06, that'd be, that'd be sick. Car is so sweet. I mean, I still can't believe it's Corvette. So. All right. Well, sir, thank you for the time and safe travels. Enjoy the off season. We'll, uh, we'll see you soon. Yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate yeah, it. Thank you. Have a Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at pitpass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast.